0: Greetings to all of you hearing this message. My name is David Thompson, and today is August the 25th, 2014, on Monday at approximately 5.40 in the early evening. For those of you that are new, I just want to briefly mention that I will seek to minister God's word out of the Spirit of God, so that I am not speaking my own words, but those words that are coming from God. The Word of God commands us, and First Peter, if any man minister or preach or speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Actually, it's more accurately, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And as part of that endeavor, I seek for God's leading to what he would be saying to me personally and to the body of Christ in the word of God each day. Today, I was led by the casting of lot before God to Galatians chapter two. The casting of lots is something that works if you're living a holy life in a right relationship with God and you're not doing it as a game. It is something that was practiced by the nation of Israel or the Church of Israel if you will, probably from the very time of Adam and Eve. It was also very evidently used in the early church and in powerful movements of revival such as the Moravian movement in church history. So first of all what I will do is read Galatians chapter 2 and then after I have read that I do not know what I'm going to share. I only spend about a half an hour on a chapter and make some brief notes. So we'll see what God would be saying to me personally, to you personally, and to the body of Christ worldwide at this particular hour and time. Beginning with Galatians chapter 2. Then fourteen years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation, and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run, in vain. Excuse me, I'm just remembering something I have to do here. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, know not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrariwise, when they saw that the gospel of, on circumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision was the same mightily in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature, and not sinners of the Gentiles. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also have found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me i do not frustrate the grace of god for if righteousness come by the law then christ is dead in vain beginning In the first part of this chapter in Galatians, Paul discusses that he set aside a long period of time of 14 years to seek the Lord's face. And out of that time of seeking God and no doubt searching the scriptures, he received revelation from God. Well, we know that he also had a direct angelic visitation from God in his conversion. And, had, and had a number of times had angels of the Lord minister to him at his bedside, as is a, described in the book of Acts. So Paul the Apostle is talking to the Galatians here because, as he says in other parts of this book, who has beguiled you? We did a message recently from Galatians on that particular chapter. That you started out with a relationship with God and somehow ended up in it depending on your performance before God. That is in essence what Paul was saying in that particular chapter. And he is basically, in essence, saying this in this particular chapter. That they must not fall out of a relationship of fellowship with God. And the trap of falling out of that relationship of fellowship with God is the deception to trust in ourselves, in our own performance, as somehow the basis of our relationship with God and of pleasing God. When this happens, we are putting our trust in something other than God. For whatever we are trusting in is also where we are putting our worth and our glory. That is why it says in the Word of God that boasting is excluded by the law of faith. That's somewhere like in Romans chapter 4. Boasting is excluded by the law of faith. Genuine faith is not a trust in what is untrustworthy, but in what is ultimately trustworthy, what is ultimately revealed as worthy of trust. That is obviously not in man. In fact, it is very clear throughout the scriptures, that from the very beginning of time, this was the case, and this was the true gospel. The gospel has been preached from the time of Adam and Eve till now. And that gospel, basically, in its essence, is saying this, that there is only one God. And that only in God is their forgiveness. And that forgiveness is only in God, because only God has the moral capacity to absorb judgment, because He only can be a perfect atoning sacrifice. It is basically saying there is only one God and God has provided a way of forgiveness which is within himself. If forgiveness was somehow dependent and salvation, of course, is contingent upon forgiveness. If forgiveness was somehow contingent upon our performance before God, then there would be the deception of self-trust which brings self-glory and self-worth. It is a deception of pride. From the very beginning, it is clear that there was this gospel preached. Even the Paul the Apostle in Galatians, describes this, and in Hebrews and other places, clearly describes that this gospel was with Abraham, that it was before the law. Does that mean that when the law came, the gospel ceased? No. In fact, in the book of Revelations, it says that in the last days, Revelations chapter 16, no, pardon me, I believe it's chapter 14 it says it mentions three angels which is talking about the sequence of events just before the time of the end there's an angel that comes on the scene and it says and i saw another angel come out of the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach saying with a loud voice fear god and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. It describes the gospel as being the everlasting gospel. And it emphasizes fearing God and worshiping God because the true gospel involves fearing God, and out of the fear of God, having genuine worship. And I will go into more depth to explain what I mean. For example, Paul the Apostle says, We are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and truth and have no confidence in the flesh. So I want to address this particular chapter here in relation to the difference between performance, which is a deception that is working on the principles of this world. What are it, Paul? It's talk. It talks about this. Shall we again fall prey to the beggarly elements of this world? What is it in? I'm not going to go into it right here. I believe it's in um, Colossians that mentions this. It's it's the beggarly principles of this world. What are the beggarly principles of this world? It is basically the deception of self-trust. It comes in many forms. In fact, in all forms of religion from the time of Cain till now. Cain... lost the fear of God. And when you lose the genuine fear of God, what happens is that you end up with a false perception of God that justifies self-confidence in performance before God as what God, your now deceived image of God, finds acceptable and pleasing. And so in Cain, we see the beginning of counterfeit religion. What happened to Cain? Well, it's not in the scripture, but I can certainly surmise that it is so that he was offended at the consequences of the curse such as tilling and laboring on the land and so on. And so he was offended at God. So God became distant to him. He became withdrawn from wanting to seek God. And he began to perceive God as an enigma. Someone that's distant, far away, and that he can't understand. That's mysterious. Yes, he still perceived God as a great power and authority that demanded high standards of holiness or purity, of lifestyle. He still saw God that way, but he didn't see the goodness that was behind the holiness of God. Now, the fear of God is basically this. It is not just a mental ascent. It involves our free choice And it involves a deep turning in the heart. When you have fellowship with people that you really love, it's not just mental. It involves the mental. But more, it involves the reciprocation of one another's heart. And in the genuine fear of God, there is the choice to recognize God for the reality of who he really is. And when you become, or one becomes, like Cain, offended, that is when the distortion out of the heart of self-projected images of God that are idolatrous forms even though you may believe in only one god it is an idolatrous perception of god there must be the understanding even at the offensive consequence that behind those consequences of suffering there is ultimate good in the creator because the creator is holy. And so there is this recognition of the holiness of God. Now, what is the holiness of God? The holiness of God is the integrity of God's love that is so pure it will not tolerate the slightest word, thought, or deed that is contrary to the love of God the holiness of God's love or the integrity of God's love is a blazing fire of judgment against the slightest that is contrary to his love. That is why the word of God, it says, our God is a consuming fire. And there are many examples of the consuming fire of God's presence that devoured sin in the accounts of the nation of Israel. Among those that became complainers and rebellious, or came too close to God. And the Word of God says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the nature of God has not changed. There are many examples in the New Testament of God judging sin in the early church. One example is Ananias and Sapphira's. In 1 John, it talks about there there is a sin unto death. And it exhorts people not to pray that God would judge people unto death. There is the example of Paul committing someone to the destruction of their flesh because of the sin they were committing in the midst of the congregation. And we see many examples in the book of Revelation of God declaring his judgment with severe judgment upon people that are in rebellion against him to bring them to the place of repentance and upon those that are deceivers in the church such as Jezebel described in regards to the church of Pergamos. So one must first, the genuine fear of God is a choice to recognize that God is ultimately trustworthy in the fact that his love has total integrity to judge all that is contrary to it. Love is not just a feeling. Love is far more than that. The understanding and basic definition of love is making choices out of one's own free volition, in this case God, that are always to the highest lasting good, even to the sacrifice of any more immediate fulfillment in order to choose the highest lasting good, which was most fully demonstrated in God's sacrifice, atoning sacrifice of himself for all creation on the cross of those that would respond in repentance. It is... This integrity or holiness of God that is the foundation from which can spring God's love in full expression without corruption that can go on and gone in greater enlargement and in greater creativity and of course obviously out of that greater fulfillment and and go on forever and ever. because his choices are without corruption, unlike ours. And so, one first recognizes the holiness of God, and out of that recognizes also the goodness of God in the holiness of God, because there's a recognition that only such quality of being could possibly be ultimately trustworthy to contain unlimited power and unlimited life without being corrupted by it or without dissipating it in a destructive way. In other words, containing ultimate life, ultimate power, in ultimate goodness. Because of this integrity of love that is as a blazing fire of judgment against anything that would be slightly less than choosing the highest lasting good. This is the foundation from which springs the ultimate expression of God's love and creativity in choosing to have a corporate bride in his creation, which was ultimately manifested in the full expression of himself into this time and space realm in his government of the time and space realm, which is in Jesus Christ, which is the full expression of God or the Son of God. The word Son basically means expression. I always like to qualify for those that don't know anything about Christianity, that I'm not here to minister some counterfeit thing, but reality itself, we don't believe in three gods. We believe in only one God, but this one God can be in personage beyond the time and space realm and is the originator beyond the time and space realm. Sees the end from the beginning in government. That is God known as the Father. The word Father means originator. And then God must also govern in the time and space realm, which is his creation. And so he's expressed, and the word expression means son. So he is the son in personage in the time and space realm governing and communicating with his creation at the same time as being beyond as the Father. And he fills all things by his Holy Spirit and omnipresent and all capabilities of communication and creativity because he is attached to every particle of existence which he has created. And they have found out now that there is the God particle on July the, of 2012 with the tremendous, the largest scientific project in the history of the world, which is the Hadron Collider in Geneva, Switzerland. But let's not get into that. So what I'm sharing here is the essence of what the gospel is that brings relationship rather than mere ritualism and performance which is void of any reality on the inside and is merely a shell that is a sham. What I'm sharing here is the gospel that was preached from the very time of Adam and Eve. I do not doubt myself personally that because they had superior intelligence then, because of there not being all the side effects that we experience now from the fall, that even intellectually they would have recognized That because forgiveness can only be in God, it clearly implies that God, therefore, must be the source of a moral capacity that is so ultimate that he can become a perfect atoning sacrifice that can absorb the sin of creation. Because it is very clear from various Old Testament scriptures, which I can't point out now, but someday I'll land in one of these by lot. It is very clear from various Old Testament scriptures that it is God that is the source of forgiveness. But it is also very clear from various Old Testament scriptures that they, only, they believe that the animal sacrifices that God commanded them to do before him, which was a symbol of their sins being transferred on to that which is innocent, it is very clear that they recognized that they could only cleanse the physical body of sin. They could not represent their soul and their spirit. For there are verses such as the one that says, Shall shall I give the fruit of my womb for the sin of my soul? Or can I give my own body for the sin of my soul? And it says very plainly, No, none of these things are sufficient. And then it talks about, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will to to give my body. Talking about God. But there are many verses in various passages I have found that clearly reveal that only God could become a perfect atoning sacrifice. In fact, it was even among the Pharisees a doctrine that was very strongly believed at that time. They believed, many of them, and the Essenes certainly did, that there was two messiahs. There was going to be a suffering messiah, and there was going to be a conquering messiah. What they didn't recognize is that they are one and the same. And that the first time the Messiah came, he came as the suffering Messiah, as a perfect atoning sacrifice for sin. And now he will be coming as the one, as a lion that will judge the world. And all those in it that have rejected the good news that they can be reconciled to God and become part of his his corporate bride, part of his family in heaven. People don't want the truth. They want to form their own image of God. They don't want to fear God. The fear of God is the choice to recognize his absolute trustworthiness, which is only possible in the recognition that he is totally pure without compromise and that behind all of that is the containment of goodness and that out of that springs the power of God's being in such a purity of love that he can love us so much to be a perfect atoning sacrifice so that out of the holiness of God springs the mercy of God and it is the recognition of this ultimate negative and positive as it were for sake of illustration that there is the breaking of the shell of our heart. Just like the shell is broken around the nucleus of an atom, the electrons that spin around the atom spin so hard that they form a hard shell. And it takes an ultimate negative and positive or a strong negative and positive to break that shell and release the flow of life and energy. And likewise, it is in the recognition the choice to fear God that brings this recognition of his ultimate integrity of love that overflows and transcends in mercy and grace that comes a genuine shattering of pride in our heart for our heart is, as it were, in independence of God because of our own choices of rebellion and deception like Cain Against God, in a state of deception, till we come to the place of recognizing how empty one's life is without God, without a genuine relationship that is reciprocative with God, and the prodigal son came to the end of himself. God has created our being to only find ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment in him it is as others have described, like a God vacuum in our being. It only was made to be filled by God. We will never be satisfied with what is less than ultimately real, and only God is ultimately real. If you look at the definition of the word truth, the word truth basically says, Various dictionaries that it's that which is real. So you look up the word real or reality and it defines it as that which is unshakable, unmovable, everlasting, and unchangeable. It is a quality of being that will never change because its integrity will not allow the slightest destructibility or corruption and that is contrary to ultimate perfect love. And when we choose to fear God, we we become filled with awe of who he is. It's not a matter of mere mental assent. It's a matter of a deep circumcision in the heart that happens from what it describes in Hebrew as this sharp two-edged sword. There's two sides to this two-edged sword. The first side is the holiness of God, the integrity of his love, and the other side is the mercy of God or the grace of God as it describes it in the New Testament. And when we come to the place Where our hearts are open from our own deceptions because we see the emptiness within us and we become loathe, we loathe the deception of our own heart, we loathe the deceptions of those around us and the deceptions of counterfeit false religion. And we cry out and say, Where is the truth? I want reality. I just want reality. I'm tired of all the deception. It is at that point that we will see. God and his reality for who he is because we are open at that point and it is that point that the two-edged sword of God's spirit circumcises our heart and there is that ultimate pull of the positive and negative that breaks the shell of our heart and causes the flow of his light to enter us with his spirit that can only satisfy because he is the very source of reality he's the very source of love And love is the very source and God of what contains life that goes on and ever enlarges in fulfillment out of love. It is the negative and positive that causes a bright light in the darkness that causes the darkness to flee. There's a song, an old song that goes like this. Thine eyes diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dawn, enflamed with light. Oh, my chains fell off. Oh, my heart was free. I rose, went forth. And followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. So now that I have explained this gospel that is out of relationship. For it is out of this that comes genuine spiritual rebirth. And how does that happen? And I've often described this, and I don't get tired of describing it. It's the best illustration I know. Your soul and your spirit, in that state of deception and of self-worship, whatever it is, whether it's the belief in some philosophical religion that believes that somehow you can get rid of ego through meditation... All you're ending up doing is refining your mind beyond the comprehension of your ego. It's like trying to crucify yourself. There's always one hand left free. You can't do it. But when you come to that place where you choose to recognize your true life source, the true source of ultimate meaning and purpose for your life individually and for the meaning of all things and for the reason why all things exist, then your heart opens up like an open hand from a clenched fist because you've found what is ultimately trustworthy, what is ultimately real. And when that happens, your hand is in a state of what represents selflessness, Remember I said boasting is excluded by the law of faith. That is the faith that is not trusting in self, but what is ultimately trustworthy beyond self, which is ultimate reality. For only that is ultimately trustworthy. And so when your hand is open, or your soul and spirit in this state of selflessness, it is in that point when pride is broken, pride is broken, And you open up like a blossom that another hand, the other hand represents, the other open hand represents the Spirit of God, comes and rests against that open hand to form two hands that are a symbol of prayer and also look like a seed. And so you have the seed of the new divine nature that is described in 1 John, which says, "...whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world." even our faith. The faith that is born of God has the abiding of God's Spirit with our spirit. It is our spirit that is opened up in faith, our soul, to allow the abiding and indwelling of God's Spirit, which forms the new divine nature within our being, that gives us victory over the principal elements of how this world is run, And how is the world run? It is run on the basis of self-sufficiency in the created rather than the creator. It is in a state that is destructive because it does not reciprocate or receive the ultimate source of life and economy for the universe that is without corruption. And so it is filled with corruption because in the created there is destructibility because it is not the source of this ultimate perfect love that can contain unlimited power and life. And so in this chapter, to close, I just want to share a bit more in Galatians here. We have people that have fallen into the deception to think that merely performing various rituals somehow makes them acceptable before God. It is very clear even in the Old Testament that God required not merely the outward circumcision. That was not the issue. The issue was the circumcision of the heart. You can find various verses in the prophets and so on that emphasize this. In fact, when God gave the Ten Commandments, the issue was still Not that they would make the Ten Commandments an idol and fall into a false perception of God like Cain, a demanding God. The demanded performance. We have many examples of this nowadays. And in this chapter here, I'm not going to go into the various verses. The ones that stand out are verse 16, 19, 20, and 21. And so in verse 16, it says this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. And I just explained what that means. It says in another to scriptures in Galatians that faith works by love, because it is when we perceive and recognize and receive this ultimate love in its integrity to judge and be transcendent in mercy, that we can reach out out of response in our spirit and receive. That is our response of faith Faith works by love. It is the perception of who God is and his being of love that brings the response of faith. And so even we have believed in Jesus Christ and it's not a belief of the mind, this is a belief of the heart and the word believe in the Greek here is pistis meaning persuasion. We have been persuaded in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by The faith is coming out of Christ because we are recognizing who God is in Christ. And as a result, our spirit opens up in faith, as I explained. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In the beginning, they recognized when they were under the law in the time of Israel and Moses. They recognized that the issue was the circumcision of the heart and they certainly kept the outward performance of what God required. But there was the reality and not just the ritual. The ritual was only, was only the outward expression of the reality and many like Joshua and others. There were others that did fall into the trap very quickly of getting their focus on mere performance before God because they did not enter into genuine rebirth like Moses did, like Joshua did, like Enoch did and others that walked so close with God. Now the other verse says, through the law we become dead to the law that we might live unto God. It says that when the law entered grace abounded all the more because the law certainly exposes our inadequacy apart from God, which corners us to the mercy of God. In fact, it is the recognition of the holiness of God that is manifested in the law, and that points us to the mercy of God. So that when we offer, in in that time, the animal sacrifices, we're recognizing how we deserve his judgment, but we're filled with thankfulness that God is forgiving us, not because the animal has the power to take away our sins. It only cleanses the physical, but it is our response and repentance towards God. Even in the communion, the reason for the communion the body and the blood of Christ is to focus on the greatness of God's love and mercy towards us in his atoning work on the cross in Jesus Christ. Even in that, that is what is, it helps the focus. In fact, it seems to be indicating that in Ezekiel, in the millennial reign, the children of Israel will be offering animal sacrifices again. Does that mean that Christ, they're trusting in them? No. If you were to offer an innocent lamb now, you would still recognize that Christ was the source of forgiveness and the source of cleansing. But the offering of that innocent lamb would be a reminder very similar to taking communion, but have a far more powerful effect. And so this is the understanding that I bring out in regards to these things. And of course, it goes on here and it says, "I am crucified with Christ." This is in the sense that I deserve that judgment that Christ took upon himself for me. When it's saying, "I am crucified with Christ," it's saying, "I deserve to be crucified there where Christ was crucified." It's when we see we're totally wrong and how much we and that's seen when we recognize that we deserve the judgment of God because He is so holy that we realize there's nothing we can bring before God of our own performance. But if we have a misperceived perception of God as some holy being that requires performance like Cain did, then we'll think, well, I can do things to be acceptable before God because we have a distorted view of the holiness of God and not do not recognize the goodness of God and the ultimate perfection of God in the holiness of God nor the goodness of God within the holiness of God. But when we come to the place in our lives continually of abiding in him out of a life of prayer where we learn to grow in the fear of God there is this secret that comes out of the fear of God, of abiding in God. Our spirit can no longer worship our soul when we see we're totally wrong. Pride is broken. Self-deception of self-worship is broken when we are in awe of who God is and His holiness. Do you know that one half of our brain, secular psychologists or whatever they are called that study the brain, They recognize that one half of the brain was created to comprehend awe. We were created to fear God, to find fulfillment of reciprocation and worship out of the fear of God. And it is in this place of recognizing who God is that there is ultimate humility that brings us to the place of total honesty to repent, and ultimate honesty that brings us to the place of total humility to be undone in the deception of pride. The word of God commands us that as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so we are to walk in him. And the way we received Christ was when we came to this genuine spiritual rebirth that I've been describing That is, comes out of the fear of God, choosing to fear God, to genuinely fear God. And so... It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Because I've seen that it was through the crucifixion of Christ on the cross that I also died. So I am filled with thankfulness that I live now by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As it says in verse 20. The faith is out of perceiving the Son of God and who he is, as I described, faith working by love. And then Paul goes on in the last verse and says, I do not frustrate or put aside the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. No, it doesn't teach anywhere in the Old Testament that righteousness comes by the law. It does teach that there's blessing by keeping the law, even if we don't have an abiding relationship with him. And the law's intent was to curb iniquity in order to preserve a righteous seed. And it's also used to corner us to recognize all the more the holiness of God so that we would come to the place of being even more reciprocative of the grace and mercy of God. And so we do not frustrate the grace of God with performance or with thinking that somehow it is us that saves ourselves by doing things before God. That's a distorted image of God from which all false and counterfeit religions, both monotheistic and polytheistic, issue. Thank you for listening to this message. And my prayer is that you would enter in to such a relationship with God through the fear of God that would keep you always in the secret place of the Most High. For the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Thank you for listening to this message.